Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. Your voice and bless the Lord and thank him tonight. Speak to the Lord right now. Father, we bless you. We give you thanks. We lift your name up. We glorify you. We're so blessed and honored to call you our Lord, call you our King, to call you our God. We extol you tonight in the company of believers. Be magnified and be glorified in this place. We lift you higher than every other. We declare you Lord and King in our midst tonight. Be blessed. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. Oh, in Yeshira wo Yeton Trumbo Asom Jane Yeshira wo
Give you thanks and praise tonight. We bless your holy name. We ask you to take full charge, full control over tonight's meeting. Let your Holy Spirit direct and steer affairs here to the glory of your name. I pray for everyone, everybody here in person, anybody watching virtually, wherever they are at this very present moment, once they've connected to this streaming. And to this service, let something very profound happen to them in the name of Jesus. Let them have an encounter with you. An encounter, oh God, that will bring them knowledge and understanding of who you are and of your purposes concerning us. I thank you, Father. Use me tonight for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. God bless you and you may be seated. The parable of the vineyard workers. The parable of the vineyard workers is what I'm going to share with you tonight. I may not finish. If I don't, of course, I will continue next week, Wednesday, by the grace of God. We've been looking at the parables of Jesus. We've looked at a number of them. And today, we want to analyze the parable of the vineyard workers. Will you please turn your Bibles with me to the gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 20. In fact, let's look at Matthew chapter 19 and let's read from verse number 27 and then we are going to move into chapter 20 and that's where we're going to do most of tonight's reading. We're talking about the parable of the vineyard workers. Hallelujah. From the New Living Translation, which is my preferred translation, then Peter said to him, he was speaking to Jesus, of course, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the son of man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. At this time when Jesus was speaking, Judas was part of the 12. But alas, when it mattered the most, he was nowhere to be found. May you never lose your place in Jesus' name. And may you be able to stay and to stick to the very end. Tell your neighbor, I want to see you in heaven. Because I have plans that include you. Hallelujah. 
it continues, and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life and will inherit what eternal life but many who are the greatest now will be least important then and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then give me verse 30 again this time from the king james version of the bible Verse 30, King James Version. Matthew 19, 30. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Now, to chapter 20, back to New Living Translation, and reading from verse number 1. New Living Translation, I said. Matthew 20, reading from verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven... Is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace. And saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them. Telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock he did the same thing. At five o'clock in the afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. To the owner, I beg your pardon. Those people worked only one hour. And yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Monkey they work, baboon they chop. He answered one of them. And usually when there's demonstration, there's always a ringleader. So Jesus spoke to the one who voiced their concerns out. He said, friend, 
I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker or workers the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then. And those who are first will be last Hallelujah. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Now, take me back to verse 1 of Matthew 20 and give me the King James Version. Verse 2. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So, Take notes. The New Living Translation mentioned a day's wages. And the King James Version mentioned a penny. And I need you to keep that at the back of your mind. Hallelujah. So I'm sharing with you once again about the parable of the vineyard workers. This parable you will only find in the gospel according to St. Matthew. You won't find this parable in any of the other gospels. I don't know why. But for it to be there means that it is also important. Because what it is is that there are certain parables setting miracles that you may find in some of the gospels but not in all of them and there are instances also where you find some stories in just one gospel accounts but you won't find in the others so for example when jesus healed the crippled man at the pool of bethsaida it is only John who wrote about it. You don't have it in any of the other Gospels. I don't know why. But I'm not the writer of the Bible. It is God. And by the Holy Spirit, he determined what was included and what was not included. But to understand this parable of the vineyard workers well, there is a need to go back. To the previous chapter of the Bible. You see. Those who translated the Bible. From the original Hebrew text. Which is what the Old Testament was written in. And then from the original Greek text. Which is what the New Testament was written in. When they did their translations into English. They wanted to make it easier to read and to follow. Because what it was, was that if you take the original Greek, the original text did not have 
chapters. And it did not even have punctuation marks. So can you imagine your textbook in school? There are no chapters. There are no paragraphs. There are no punctuation marks. How would you even understand what you're reading? It would be a very difficult thing to do. And so in order to make it easier for us to read the Bible, they tried to break them up into chapters and then different paragraphs. And the intention was good. And we cannot fault them for it. But you see, inadvertently, what ended up happening was that when you read the English translation, sometimes it is difficult for you to really connect things properly. And it may, you may easily miss a very important fact that something that they are talking about in a particular chapter is very much connected to an earlier chapter. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So they broke the chapters up, but it gave an impression of accounts and narrations which were not connected, but they were very much connected. And so to understand this parable of the vineyard workers well, it is helpful to go back to the previous chapter, which is the chapter 19, and you will notice that when I started reading, I read about a question that Peter posed to Jesus. Asking him that we've been following you all these years. And we left everything to follow you. What is in it for us? But it is important to go even further back. Which I didn't read. But if you read from verse 21 you will discover that a young man came to see Jesus one fateful day. He was a rich young man. And when he came to see Jesus, he said to him, Good master, what must I do to inherit or to have eternal life? Alright, so in the verse 16 of Matthew 19, he said, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Now, when he asked this question, it seems to me that he asked this question because he was very confident and very sure about himself. That he was a good guy. So now Jesus asked him, now why do you call me good? There's nobody good except the father. And he said, anyway, you've asked your question. And so this is, the, this is the answer I have for you. Now, he asked him that, Jesus asked him that, what does the law say? What are the commandments that God has given? And then he answered, Or Jesus rather explained to him what the commandments were. He said, now go to verse 17. He said, but if thou will enter into life, keep the commandments. Alright, so this is different from another encounter that Jesus had with another person. 
Alright? So now, with this guy, I explained to him that if you want to enter into life, what you have to do is to keep the commandments or keep the law. And then the guy went on and asked, now which of the laws? Then Jesus explains, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy, me- thy mother, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, when the guy heard these things, I'm sure he started smiling to himself. Afa? And then very confidently, he said to Jesus, oh, these two things, it's not a difficult thing at all. I've been doing them. <laughs> he said, it's okay. Ever since I was a small boy, I have obeyed all this. But I still feel that there's something missing in my life. And then Jesus said to him that, yes, there's something missing in your life. He said to him that if you want to be perfect, go and sell everything that you have. And whatever you get from the sales, give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then he said to him, after you've done all these things, come and follow me. The young rich fellow was not happy with this response. The Bible says he turned and walked away sorrowful. When he was going, he was very, very sad because Jesus had said something to him that he knew that as for this one, I cannot do. Why? Because the Bible says he had great possessions. That means he was very, very very rich a man of God explained it this way that his possessions had him which sometimes is the problem with being very rich you can lose so much control that your riches influence you and you don't control what you have So there's something called the deceitfulness of riches. And that is why you need to be really sure whether you want to be fantastically rich or not. And ask yourself, can I handle it? Ask yourself, can I handle it? And I honestly think that most of us cannot handle it. We can't. We'll get spoiled. Because riches have a way of changing people. It's like when you have authority and power. When you have so much influence and control over people. It can change you along the line. And that's what happens to presidents of nations. And that's what happens to senior pastors. And founders. And leaders of churches. When they begin to now operate power and exercise authority at a certain level, it changes them. And along the line, they begin to play God. They begin to see themselves as a God. And they expect people, although they won't admit admit it, they, they, they really want people to hail them and worship them and declare them as supreme. So that is why they say power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. 
So there are some things you should always be careful of. Being fantastically rich and having too much power and authority. Not many people can handle it. Hallelujah. So he walked away. And as he was going, I'm sure Jesus looked at him. And the guy as he was going, the back of his head had become very heavy. Because he came very confidently. Very sure that he was going to be recommended. He was going to be praised. Because he had tried to obey the commandments. Now what is this one that Jesus is saying? This one, I can't do it. And then Jesus commented. He made a comment to the disciples who were with him. And said to them, it's going to be very difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's going to be very, very difficult. Now, that statement that he made should not make anybody think that it is a sin to be rich. But he did, and he didn't make this statement in a vacuum. Something had happened. And as a result of that thing, he made a statement. And what had happened was that a young man who had a lot of possessions decided that I can't follow Jesus. You see, Jesus, in the response he gave to him about being perfect, he mentioned the two greatest commandments. You see, he asked him that, sell your money, sell your property and give the money to the poor. It's like love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, after you've done that, come and follow me. Love God. And the guy saw that he, he, he couldn't do that. So although he, he, had, he was doing his best to obey the other commandments, the two commandments that were the most profound, he couldn't obey. So Jesus said that this is the guy's problem. And that's the problem with sometimes being very rich. When you have this situation of riches controlling you and influencing you, it can become a deterrent or an impediment for you to be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Then he goes on to explain that it is in, in, in such a case, it is easier for a camel, a camel that is loaded with goods, to enter the eye of a needle. You know, in, in Israel, in those times, they had different gates into the city, very big gates. But the big gate had a smaller one which they used to call the eye of the camel. And for that one, for a camel to be able to enter, it was going to be very, very difficult. So that was what Jesus was referring to. He was not literally talking about a camel entering the eye. I mean, nothing as ridiculous as that. All right. So that's the reason why when you read the Bible, there's a need to go into a deeper study of it. It will reveal a lot of things to you. And thank God for Bible commentaries, Bible dictionaries, and stuff like that. They help you to understand the Bible very well. Can I have an amen from somebody? After Jesus made the statement, Peter and the other disciples said, Hey! They said, Ewo, who can be saved? <laughs> who can be saved? With what you are describing, who at all can be saved? And then Jesus explained to them the next verse. 
he said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And when Jesus made this statement, he was trying to get the disciples to understand that God is actually the architect of salvation. That if you think that you can make it by yourself and make it by your own effort and make it by being exceptionally good, it won't work. It is God who will make it possible for people to be saved. And that is what the mission of Jesus was. Jesus came into this world, came into this earth as God's plan and God's design to save you and I. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This was God reaching out to us. And he came down to our level through his beloved son. And he worked out our salvation. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. To continue, then Peter. I'm sure he was thinking about everything that Jesus had said. And he still didn't really understand much of what was going on. He started thinking about himself and the other disciples. And he said to Jesus, Master, me and these others, we have left all and we've come to follow you. So what is in it for us? We've left everything. Peter had a wife. So he left his wife. I'm sure he used to go home sometimes to go and refuel and go back. <laughs> but for three years, as they followed Jesus in his ministry, most of the time he didn't sleep home in the comfort of his bed and in the arms of his wife. I, I, we don't have it recorded anywhere that he had children, but maybe he had children. But we know for a fact that he had a fishing business. He left. So he, he, he was very, you know, earnest about what he was saying to Jesus. We've left everything to follow you. What is in it for us? And that is when Jesus explained to them. Next verse. He said, give me the New Living Translation, please. I assure you that when the world is made new and the son of man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Alright? So Jesus was telling them that you will be blessed. You will be rewarded. But then he didn't end there. Then he moved on to the next verse. Verse 29. And then now he decides to widen the scope of what he was talking about. And he makes reference to and everyone, that means that everybody else who has given up 
houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit what? Eternal life. So he did not just limit the blessing of eternity and eternal life to just the disciples. But now he brings in or he ropes in everybody else who decides to come to Christ. Who decides to abandon certain things and come to Christ. And he explains that all such people would also receive eternal life. It was after this that he moved on to chapter 20 and verse 1 and then he starts to narrate the parable of the vineyard workers. And he starts by saying, for the kingdom of heaven. So he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Now the last statement he made was about eternal life. And it's important to connect what he's talking about with eternal life. So now he gives the story. So I needed you to get the progression where we started from and how we got to this point. It started off with a gentleman, a young rich ruler who came to ask, what must I do to inherit what? Eternal life. That is where it started. Then he went on and on and on and then he ended in the 19th chapter with the statement that anybody who has left father, mother, land, property, children and all of that will receive a hundredfold in this life and eternal life. So you must understand that this whole discourse had to do with eternal life. And then now he goes on to explain further. So he explains and says that there's a landowner who had a vineyard. A vineyard is a, a plantation of grapes. Alright? And if you go to Israel, I haven't been there, but I'll go one of these days and I'll take you along with me. How many of you will come? Are you the US or nothing? Ubenyampu. <laughs> If you go to Israel today, in fact, one of the things that Israel is noted for is its wine. Some of the best wines in the world come from there. Another country where you get a lot of wine, Italy, pardon? South Africa, and then uh, Greece. You get a lot of very nice wine from there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people are thinking that you are dialing my number. Anyway, so he tells a story of a landowner who had a vineyard. Then early in the morning, he goes to the marketplace. And he sees some people hanging around. Now, early in the morning, if you read the story suggest to us that we are talking about 6 a.m. So 6 a.m. he goes to town and he sees some guys there at the marketplace. I believe that the, the custom in those times was if you are not a skilled laborer, you go and hang around there. 
So that if anybody is looking for somebody to do anything where you don't require skilled labor, a skilled uh, laborer for, you just go to the marketplace and just hire anybody that you're looking for. So he finds these guys there and then he negotiates with them. He said, I have a vineyard and I need some people to work in there. Will you work for me? And then he tells them something very interesting. I want you to take note of that. He told them that I am going to pay you a day's wages. The King James Version says, go to the second verse. Now, give me the New Living Translation of verse 2. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage or a day's wage. Now, the King James Version says a penny. If you check from the original Greek, the word you have there is denarii. And that money, which the King James translated a penny, is what you will need to buy 10 donkeys. Now that must be quite a lot of money. To buy 10 donkeys or 10 horses. So what it suggests is that this payment must be for skilled labor. Because if you are not, because he referred to it as a, the, a daily wage. A daily wage for who? A day's wage for who? Because there are different types of workers and there are different types of laborers. Where you work, Evelyn, do you think that what they pay you a day is equal to what they pay your supervisor or the boss? What do you think? And she's the supervisor. Hey! This small here thing here is a supervisor. Charlie, you're a very powerful woman. You're a big woman. Big woman. She's the supervisor. Do you have a boss? You have a boss. So you have a boss. You are the supervisor. Is there anybody here you supervise? You supervise who? Lydia. So Lydia, your boss is here. I, I hope that she's been according you a lot of respect as her boss and supervisor. <laughs> now, what your boss earns a day will certainly be far higher than what you earn a day. So in workplaces, in the different workplaces, there are age I beg your pardon, there are wage brackets or levels and steps. So says the HR administrator. And when you are employed, they put you at a certain level. Now, depending on whether you are skilled, you are a skilled labor or not, or you're a skilled worker or not, they know where to place you. So they look at your qualifications, they look at your work experience, factor in a lot of different things, and then they place you where you are supposed to be placed. So there are levels, different levels that people occupy. Now, this wage, daily wage that was described, which was the equivalent of what you would take to buy 10 donkeys, cannot be for unskilled labor, like these guys that the land owner found at the marketplace. 
So in actual fact, what he was going to pay them for a day's work was far, 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 far higher than what they actually deserved. But this landowner was a kind fellow. He was a generous guy. And he told them that this is what I'll give you. So happily, they went to work for him. When it was nine o'clock, he went to town again. I presume that he had a big vineyard and he needed a lot of workers to work in. So he goes out at nine o'clock to the marketplace and he goes to find some people there who were also just hanging around. Nobody had employed them. So he employed them and he agreed with them. He told them, in fact, he didn't tell them exactly what he was going to pay them, but he said, I'll do you good. I'll do you fine. And of course, they didn't have a choice because if they don't work that day, there will be no chop money to go and sort their wife and children out. So they went to work. And I'm sure that when they looked at the guy, he looked like a pretty decent fellow. They followed him to go and work for him. At 12 o'clock, he went again. And then he saw, I thought you would be going along with me. Whoever is on the projector. Which verse are we? Verse 3, at 9 o'clock. Then the next verse. Verse 5. So, he went again at 12 noon. 12 in the afternoon. And then he went again at 3 o'clock. And each time, he went to meet different people and he employed them. And then when it was 5 o'clock, one hour, that's the last hour. One hour to closing work for the day. He goes again to the marketplace and he goes to find some guys hanging around. Now these guys, I don't know why they were still there. Because the day was about to end. But they had faith. And that day their faith was greatly on it. He said, why are you still here? He said, nobody has hired us. He said, eh. Then he says to them, Next verse. He says, go and join the others. Go to my vineyard. It's just one hour to the close of work. But you go and work. I will sort you out. In the evening, so this must have been 6 o'clock. And that was the culture then. By 6 o'clock, you're supposed to pay your workers. And there's actually a law. One of the laws of Moses that says that you have to make sure that what you have to pay people in the day, you pay them. Don't postpone it. So some of us will get into very serious trouble because of this thing. Because sometimes you are supposed to pay people their salary. You don't pay them. You see, so it's like, how would they eat? How would they survive? How would they live? So God is really interested in how we treat the vulnerable and the lower classes of society. So that's something that we should all be very careful of. If you have a houseboy, a house girl, a driver, a cleaner, or anybody like that, when it's time to pay the person, don't start any funny stories. So at 6 o'clock, the landowner calls his steward and says that, let them come. It's time to pay them. Then interestingly, he says, start off with those who came at 5 o'clock. 
He said, let them do one logo, logo line. From the last to the first. Then he starts and he pays them a day's wage. Which I said is the equivalent of money that you use to buy how many donkeys? Ten donkeys. So the, guy, the guys who came at five o'clock, they couldn't believe their ears and their eyes. When they worked for just one hour, I'm sure as they looked at the thing, Siko, 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 Sika, Siko, Sika. Now, those who were in the queue, who came, who came first or earlier, they started to do calculations. <laughs> So they did this math calculation. If one hour <laughs> is equal to one denarii, then 12 hours, because they came at 6 a.m. and they closed at 5. So it was like a full day's wage. So if one hour is equal to one denarii. Then, 12 hours is equal, to, is equal to what? So, find X. So, X is equal to 12 over 1 times 1. Which gives us how many denarii? 12 denarii. Clap hands for yourselves. And 12 denarii was going to be 12 times 10, which is enough money to buy 120 donkeys. That was the calculation they were doing. And then, so those who were last in the line, they saw that something was happening and they were beginning to get confused. Because those who came at 3 o'clock, when they came, they also, they gave them one. Then those who came at 12, they also gave them one denarii. Then those who came at 9, so they were just wondering, is it that this guy is calculations, you know, and fa papa na, is there a problem somewhere? So now those who came at 6 a.m. went, and then when they counted things out for them, they also were given one penny or one denarii. And they said, oh! <laughs> Is that all? Menyo, 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 menyo. And then they started to complain and to murmur. And they wanted to do a looter. They went to the landowner and said, Papa, this is not how we do calculations these guys who came at five you gave them exactly the same amount that you gave to us those of us who came at 6 a.m and according to the laws of justice and equity and fairness you cannot do that you are cheating us 
That's what they said to him. And then the landowner said to them, excuse me. What did he say to them? Excuse me. He said, why are you accusing me of cheating you? You are bringing a very big problem. He said, I have been fair to you. And he wasn't angry with them. He actually called their spokesman friend. <laughs> he said, friend, I haven't been unfair. Then he asked him that when I came to employ you, what did I say I was going to give to you? He said, you, you, you said that uh, uh, you, you give us one, one penny. And he asked that, so what have I given to you? Uh, <laughs> you've given us one penny. And so he said, so where, why are you saying that I've been unfair or that I've cheated you? Have I given you what I said I would give you? Then they start, he started to stammer. Yes. <laughs> you have. He said, so what is your problem? So he said to him that, go home. <laughs> what I said I will pay you is exactly what I have paid you. I haven't cheated you. And then he went on to explain to him that, ah, <laughs> it is my money. <laughs> it is my money. And do I not have the right to do what I want to do with my money? Why are you bored? Why are you angry that I've decided to be generous with somebody else? Of what business is it of yours? What I do with my own money? He said, don't, don't, don't bring a problem here. I have been fair with you. Go home. As you're going, buy yogurt. Buy meat pie. Yeah. <laughs> and buy one donkey. <laughs> and ride on it home. It's not a problem. Go and be happy. Because you see, remember that I told you earlier on that these guys, they were unskilled laborers. And they did not deserve to be paid the equivalent of 10 donkeys or 10 asses. That is why when the guy employed them, they were very happy to go. <laughs> they couldn't believe their luck. But now, discontentment had stepped in. Envy and jealousy had stepped in. And instead of looking at what they have, they were looking at what somebody else has. And because of that, they were not satisfied. Which is usually the problem of this life. This is usually the problem of this life. Where there is no problem. We, are, we seem to be okay. We seem to be happy. Until you see that somebody else has something that you don't have. Or you think that somebody has something that you don't have. And then you become unhappy and dissatisfied. So the land told them that go home. And then Jesus ended and said, verse 16, so those who are last now will be first then and those who are first will be last. I prefer the King James Version for this verse. King James, please. So the last shall be first and the first last. Now this last part that says for many be called but few chosen. It's only the King James Version of the Bible that has that. So there are people who dispute that. For all the others, it ends with, so the last shall be first and the first last. 
which raises a very you know interesting question i mean how how can that happen let me start off from there and explain that to you what's the time hey how many minutes more six minutes more okay the first shall be the last and the last shall be the first how can that happen imagine that there is a race there is a a finishing mark that everybody is supposed to run to okay when they take off some people move very fast imagine that it's a long distance thing there are some people they don't know how to run such events when they start not giddy 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 before I realize it, they digast. <laughs> and then have you watched the race before? When you look at some of the people running, you begin to feel that they are running backwards. <laughs> because everybody else is passing them. It's not an easy thing. Hey, when we're in secondary school, oh man. When you go for interschools and all of that, sometimes when our athletes are going, we have a lot of hope, a lot of expectation. So that oh these are guys, they are good. Because during the interhouses, they won, hands down. So as they are going for inter-schools, college, you're expecting that they'll perform. And when they are running, when they start, before you realize, they are leading everybody else. Then as the race is proceeding, you ask, okay, ah, but the amount of age of why is he going? The guy is not running, says, he has the ghast. You see? All right. So imagine that a race is being run. Then some people started. They were the ones leading. All right. But then, as the race is proceeding, those who took off a bit later seem to have caught up with them. So at the end of the day, all of them finish at the same time. So then it becomes a case of the last has become first and the first has become last. It's like we've all arrived at the same point. There's no problem. You started earlier, but we have all arrived here at the same point. And so Jesus ended this parable by saying this to the disciples. Next week, I am going to take you into the parable itself and I'm going to explain to you what this parable of the vineyard workers is all about. Rise to your feet, put your hands together for Jesus and make sure that you don't miss next week Wednesday's teaching. You've been blessed by the introduction alone. Is that not so? All right. Father, we thank you for today and thank you for what we've heard. We pray in the name of Jesus, may they continue to stay in our hearts and hide in our hearts. May we be able to think about them and prepare ourselves for what you're going to share with us next week. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say, Amen. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.